We are kicking off a brand new series today called Uphill Habits. And we're talking about this idea of habits. How many of you know we all got habits? We all have different types of habits. Some of us got really good habits and some of us have really bad habits. Ask my wife what my bad habits were. She said, you have none. No, that's what I wanted her to say. Um, she did not tell me that. Uh, I have a couple of habits. Some are very weird and some are just very, very different. Um, when, when I eat... Um, if you ever go out to eat with me, when I eat, I, I kind of make some noises when I eat. If it's better, then I make more noises. Like, mmm, like that type of, anybody do that? Is it just me? I'm the only weird one in here. Okay. And I just got uninvited from all of y'all's house for dinner. I know that. Have y'all ever seen What About Bob? Y'all ever seen that movie? That's an old movie. And he's eating the corn. He's like, mmm, mm. I don't do it that bad. Okay. I'm a little... I'm a little more moderate than that, but I do. I do seem to make noises, and it's, I don't even notice that I'm doing it. Lindsay will often point it out to me. You're making those sounds again. Uh, I said, that's because you're cooking so amazing. Uh, if I'm not making sounds, it's not good. Uh, I also uh, have a tendency when I'm on the phone. I don't know any of y'all, when you're on the phone, you, uh, you pace. Any pacers when you're on the phone? Yeah, if I'm on the phone, no matter where I am, I'm going to be pacing. I might be in my bedroom. Um, I might be outside. If, if you ever see me, if you come down my street and you see me outside walking down my driveway, it's not because I'm exercising. Um, I'm usually on my phone walking down. I'm just a pacer when it comes to walking. Um, I'm also a guy who's always got music in my head, um, and so I'm always humming. Anybody, any hummers in here? I'm always humming. I'm always singing a song. I always got something, some, some kind of songs always usually trapped in my head. And, uh, and I'm always, I'm a, I'm, I have a habit of just constantly humming all the time. I'm also a, uh, a, a pen tapper on my desk or if I'm in a meeting or I'm sitting, I have a pen. Any tappers in here or you, you, the drum, you drum with things or do things like that. It just drives people crazy because they always tell me, can you please stop that? Um, but I'm just, I'm always fidgety with those things. Uh, that's just kind of, kind of how I am. Um, Dollar bills in my, in my, which they don't happen too often in my, in, my, in my wallet. I don't get them too often. But when I do get dollar bills, they, I have a habit. They've got to be in sequential order. Any people like that? Anybody? Sequential order. One, fives, tens. If it's out of order, I feel like my life's out of order. Anybody? Okay. I just, I just connect with a lot of people in here. And everybody else is like, y'all are stupid. Um, and so that's just kind of how I am. I, I, I always do that. I, um, I brush my teeth, dry brush my teeth before I actually really brush my teeth wet. Um, I feel like for, for me, it's just a mental thing. Like I feel like I'm actually getting stuff off before I actually, yeah, I'm getting a little too deep here. Okay. <laughs> Trying to connect with you personally here. Okay. I saw y'all were like, that's weird. All right. So I'm going to stop there. Uh, Lindsay told me something that I did and she was like, you can't share those. And so... Um, I'm going to do that. How many guys in here have the habit of never putting the toilet seat down? Anybody? The wives in here just all raise their hands. All right. Um, I just told her she has the habit of keep putting it up. I mean, no, I'm joking. <laughs> so we all got habits. We all got habits that are, some are good. And of course, then we got really bad habits and things that we really want to break this year. And, the, and we all have these hopes this year of maybe breaking some of these bad ones and then hopefully getting some really good ones. And so this series is all about giving you some really life-changing habits that can radically change 2018 for you, make it the year that you've always dreamed of. If you have some notes, I want you just to write this down because this is a real big point uh, in this message, and that is most of us have uphill hopes but downhill habits. We all have uphill hopes. We all have, you know, I want to get closer to God this year. I want to have a better marriage this year. I want to have um, whatever. 
You fill in the blank. We all have these aspirations for what we really want in our life, and there are all these uphill hopes. The problem is we all, all many of us, probably all of us, have some downhill habits that prevent us from actually ever reaching those uphill hopes. I heard of a lady that she was a brand, it was brand new year, and she, you know, was praying to the Lord first of the year, and she said, dear God, I just pray that in the 2018, you're going to give me a fat checking account and a slim body, because last year you did the opposite. <laughs> And that, you know, we have these prayers, you know, whether it is we do want to be slim in the new year or we want to, you know, grow our checking account or we want peace or whatever, you fill in the blank, maybe healing or something, but we all have these hopes and these desires. Aristotle put it this way. He said, we are what we repeatedly do. We are what we repeatedly do. See, we form habits and then our habits form us. This is how this works. And so this year, um, you're going to want to do some new things. You're going to want, I mean, you're here at church, first Sunday of 2018, because at the beginning of every year, churches are filled because people want a new you. Gyms are filled because they want a new you. Uh, People fill these places because they want something new. The problem, though, is, is that most people don't know how to get beyond January, And so what does this look like? How can we make sure that we're putting something in our life that come January, February, March, and then all the way through to December, we can keep these things going constantly. Now, what I'm going to teach you, and Pastor Bob is going to be teaching next weekend, and and we're kind of tag teaming on this thing, these habits that we're going to teach you, let me just go ahead and start by saying they will not be easy. If they were easy, everybody would be doing them, but not everybody's doing them. But listen to me very closely, everything worthwhile in life is uphill. Everybody say it with me. Everything worthwhile in life is is uphill. So it may be difficult to do some of these habits, but I'm going to promise you if you do them and you learn what these are over these next four weeks, commit for the next four weeks to come every Sunday, learn what each one of these habits are and put these into play, I promise you 2018 will be the best year of your life if you can put these into play. Before we do that, though, I, I, I need to bring you on a journey real quick, and we need to talk about three things before we can talk about the first habit. Today, we're going to talk about habit number one, but before we do that, let's talk about these three. Uh, if you've got some notes, write this down. First thing we've got we've to solidify in our heart is a hope for the future. A hope for the future. See, for 2017, some of y'all could not wait to get out of that year because it was a hopeless year. You lost hope in 2017. Maybe a marriage that just did not go the way that you wanted it to. Or maybe, uh, as Pastor Bubba shared, maybe you got a diagnosis in 2017. Or or maybe just some things were just really, really difficult and really, really hard in 2017. And you lost some hope in 2017. Maybe your finances were hopeless or your depression grew a lot worse. Whatever it is. We all probably go through some times where we have some, some hope that we need to get back. But I'm here to encourage you with two words that can change that, but God. How many know when you got a but God steps in, he turns the hopeless into the hopeful. He can turn the sickness into healing, but God. And so I want to share with you just real quick a story in John chapter 4. It's a story of Jesus encountering a woman that was at the well. She encountered this woman at the well, and uh, it was in the middle of the afternoon. His disciples had gone into the city to get something to eat. They were extremely hungry. And so he encounters this woman at the well, and she is hopeless. She's actually at the well in the middle of the afternoon because she didn't go in the morning when all the other women went because she's got a real sketchy past. 
She's actually got some, some stuff that she's really shameful of, some things that are in her life that she doesn't want people to know about. And so she was going to the well in the afternoon, hoping not to meet anybody, and of course runs into Jesus. Jesus has this conversation with her and starts asking her about her family. Tell me a little bit about your family. Are you married? She's like, oh, no, I'm not really married. And he's like, yeah, you had five marriages and those didn't work, and now you're sleeping with another guy. I mean, you know, like that was, uh, oh, Jesus, we just went deep, okay? We went, we, went, we went there. And sure enough, Jesus starts really just inviting her into this moment, pretty much saying, hey, listen, I know you got a sketchy past, and I know you even got a, a shameful present, but I want you to know you're here meeting the person who can meet your greatest need that you've been longing for. And this is his response to this woman. Watch this in John chapter 4. Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God, and who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink, and I'd give you fresh, living water. This woman had been longing to have her identity met and to find hope, and she could not find it. She'd gone through six different men and still couldn't find it, and she was looking for this. And Jesus says, if you just knew, if you just knew what God has for you, and can I just encourage you Everybody that's in here, no matter where you are in your journey right now, no matter what you're searching for, my prayer, Pastor Bubba's prayer, our prayer as a church is that you would just know how generous God is, how much he loves you, how much he has hope that he wants to put back into your life. How do I know that? Well, Jeremiah 29, 11 would say this, says this, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a what? A hope and a? A hope and a future. So listen, we've got to begin 2018 with this. We've just got to get rid of excuses. We've got to get rid of the excuse that this is just the way it's always going to be. It's just how it's going to be. We've got to get rid of the excuses of it's just never going to change. Come on. How many know with but God, anything can change? Anything can change. God can give hope in the most hopeless situation. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, is this, if you want to write this down, repentance from the past. So we've got hope for the future, but we also got repentance from the past. You know, repentance has often been viewed as a very negative word. People have thought, of, you know, you need to repent if, you know, you've been down in New Orleans and guys standing on the street corner with big old signs, you know, repent, Jesus is coming back. What, what most people, when they look at that or they hear that from most people, they think of this idea of I need to be on my hands and knees and groveling and, oh, I'm so sorry. And Repentance does not actually mean that. Repentance comes from the word repent. Re, the beginning of repent, re means to turn. Pent means higher. Pent house, the highest house. So this idea of repentance is I'm just going to turn back and go to something higher. See, how many of you know that when you're living in sin, you're going lower? Remember, we got uphill hopes and downhill habits, and our downhill habits are bringing us into lower areas that we don't want to go, selfishness. But repentance is, God, I'm seeing where I'm headed, and this isn't where I want to go. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn to go to your higher ways. How many of you know God's got higher ways for you? So when we're talking about repentance from the past, we're just talking about a turn. I see where I'm going, I hate where I'm going, and I'm gonna turn back to God. Now, if you've done any um, AA meetings or you've done any recovery, you've probably have heard this illustration used before. It's called My Life in Five Chapters. My Life in Five Chapters goes like this. I went for a walk. Um, 
I fell into a deep, dark hole, and it took me a long time to get out of it. Chapter two, I went for a walk, fell into the exact same deep, dark hole, and it took me a long time to get out of it. Chapter three, I went for a walk, I saw the hole, I went by the hole, accidentally fell back into the deep, dark hole, and it took me a long time to get out of it. Chapter four, I went for a walk, I knew where the hole was, so I walked around the hole. Chapter five, I went for a walk on a different road. Amen. Come on now. Most of our lives, if we're honest, is in those four chapters where we know there's a hole, but what we think is the hole's gonna disappear, but we can keep going down the same road. The hole will always be there. You've gotta go on a different road. 2018 needs to be a year. You say, well, I'm tired of going in the same hole constantly. I'm going to repent, turn, go on a different road, a different road. All right. If you're getting the same results, you might want to try something different. Just, just throwing that out there. Okay. So we got to have repentance from the past. Philippians chapter three actually says, this is Paul says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, but one thing that I do, this is what I do. Now listen, Paul was the ultimate sinner. Guy killed Christians. I mean, he had a sketchy, sketchy past. So whatever you, you're shameful of, you're JV compared to Paul. He's varsity level. So imagine he's going into these churches to preach in these churches where he killed their grandparents maybe even killed some of their children. And he's got to walk into these churches. Imagine the shame and the guilt that he feels constantly as he's trying to do God's will, but he keeps getting eaten up with the lifestyle that he lived. And this is what he says, here's one thing that I've got to do. And I'm going to tell you, this is the one thing you've got to do in 2018 is, man, I've got to forget what's behind. And I've got to strain towards what's ahead. I got to forget what's behind. I got to strain towards head. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Have you ever noticed that on your car when you're driving, you have a massively huge windshield and you have a very small rear view mirror? But if you were to look at most people's lives, as most people's lives could be modeled in a car, they have a very huge rear view mirror and a very small windshield because they're constantly absorbed with everything that's happening behind them and not all that God wants for them. So could 2018 just be a year? Listen, you've got a shameful past. Welcome to church. You're broken and your marriage is a wreck right now. Where else should you be? All right, if you're, if you're hurting or if you're sick, come on, where else should you be? Now, if you're sick, no handshakes, just fist bumps. No, go home. And, uh, but y'all know what I'm saying? What, what if we were to look strain forward more? What if we were to have a bigger windshield and a smaller rearview mirror. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get rid of all of that and I'm gonna press forward. Maybe this year's a year for you to go through freedom. You go through inner healing. You to go through something where you can get rid of that past, at least the stronghold of it, so you can press forward to what's on ahead. So that's, that's number two. Here's number three. Let me give you the third one, and that is the formation of uphill habits. We've gotta begin to do uphill habits. Romans chapter 12, verse two says this, fix your attention on God. That's a good... It's a good place to underline or circle or highlight. Fix your attention on God. Fix your attention on God. Meaning that you can fix your attention on a lot of other things. But this is what happens when you fix your attention on God. You'll be changed. Now watch this. You're going to be changed from where? From the inside out. 
Now, oftentimes, this is what we do. We come to church because we want God to change the circumstances. God, give me calm circumstances and peaceful situations. God, help, help, help my husband. He's the real problem. And God's like, no, he's not. I'm going to help you. Yeah, he's got problems, and he's, he needs to change too, but I'm going to change you from the inside out. Now, watch what happens when God starts changing you from the inside out. You're going to readily recognize now what he wants from you. And then you're going to quickly respond to it. See, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you. Notice where they're dragging you. Dragging you down. We got uphill habits, but things are dragging us down. It's to its level of immaturity. God is bringing the best out of you, and he develops the well-formed maturity in you. God is bringing you to higher places. God's wanting to bring you to better places. Yet again, let me say this. This is not easy. If this was easy, everybody would be doing it. There is a sin nature inside of us, and there is an enemy that is constantly trying to drag us down, bring us down, pull us down. So we've got to form some habits that get us back up. So let me give you habit number one. Here's, here's our habit today, okay? Write this down. Habit number one is to focus on what I do first. To focus on what I do first. This is the most important thing. I can tell more about you by what you do first than anything else. See, because what you do first communicates not only to yourself but to other people what you love and what you prioritize. Whatever you do first speaks a lot about who you are. And so this year, in 2018, we've got to make a commitment to make sure that we focus on what we do first. So I'm going to give you three things here, okay? Three things that are going to really help us when it comes to understanding what we're going to do first. Number one, put God first. Put God first. Now I'm going to say this, and this might offend you, but I've got to say it anyways. If God is on your list, but he is not first, He's not on your list. I'll say it again if you want to write it down. If God is on your list, but he is not first, he's not on your list. Because if you read all throughout scripture, the only place that God is on a list is first. The only place he is either God of all or not God at all. We can't just add a little bit of God into our dysfunction and think that everything's going to be okay. He's got to be first. God will take no other place in our life than first. He likes first. Anybody in here like being first? Anybody? How many love to compete and be first? Anybody? Only a couple of you? Okay. Everybody else is losers. Um, <laughs> come on. There's a deep desire in us to want to win, right? I mean, none of y'all, listen. We, we should have prayed for the saints, but we didn't. But if they lose today, there's going to be a lot of people that are dashed. Why? Because we like winning. Yeah. We want to be first. We want to be the, and that's okay. It's okay to have that desire within you. The problem is, though, in the kingdom of God, it doesn't work that way because you can't be first. There's only one that's first, and his name is God. And then actually, you're not even second because then God says, put other people ahead of yourself. So you're actually third. <laughs> It's Jesus and then others and then you. And some of you are miserable right now, and the reason that is is because you're first in your life, and that's why you're so miserable, because you're also the problem. And so what we've got to come to this place of is realize that God needs to be first. Now, how do we say, well, how in the world could God demand that he's got to be first? You know why? Because he came and modeled what he expects of us. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only 
son. He gave his first. Jesus came to this earth to pursue you, to love you, to live the life that you couldn't live, to die the death that you couldn't die. Ultimately, he put you first. He actually put his father's will above his own. He modeled what it was to have God first in his life. And then he comes to us and he says, okay, what you saw me do, now you do. You put God first. See, a lot of people have Christianity all, all mixed up. A lot of people think Christianity is going to church, but that's actually not Christianity. Some think Christianity is like, yeah, I'm baptized, or yeah, I serve on a, on a team, or yeah, I give to a church, or I, you, you fill in the blanks. Everybody's got their ideas of what they think church is, or Christianity is. Can I tell you what Christianity is? If you were to sum it all up, simplify Christianity, Christianity is when we put God first. Christianity is when I just surrender to God and he's first in my life. That's Christianity. Has nothing to do with church. Has everything to do with your relationship with God. God is first and foremost in my life. Look what Genesis chapter 1 says this. Very first words of the Bible. In the beginning, who? God. God. In the beginning, God. Exodus chapter 20 says this. Look what Exodus 20 says. And God spoke all these words. He says, I am the Lord your God and who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Meaning, I'm first. Nothing else ahead of me. Nothing else. All right, so that's number one. We've got to put God first. Here's number two. Let me give you the, the second thing is we've got to give God the first of everything. If you want to watch how your habit is of putting things first, we've got to give God the first, put God first, and then we've got to make sure that we give God the first of, of everything. Now, let me just say this. When you hear this, immediately the reaction is, oh, he's talking about money. Because a lot of times when you hear something like this, it, it's, people are referring this to money. But can I tell you, this principle has nothing to do with money. This principle of giving God the first of everything is about life. It's a principle of life that everything in your life should be given to God first. Everything, not just money. Money's a very small part of that. Let me show you some verses that say this. Leviticus 27, 30. A tithe of, what's that word? Everything. Everybody say it. Of everything. everything. Everything from the land, whether the grain from the soil or from the fruits of the trees, belongs to who? Everything. Everything belongs to God. It's holy before the Lord. Deuteronomy 14, 23 now watch it. This is the purpose of why we actually do tithe. This is the purpose of why we do give our money and a 10% of what we do back to God. It's because it's teaching you to always put God in first place. So that's actually why we give. We give because it's, it's teaching us that God, you are first place in my life. And by the way, I'm going to tell you, it does work. It does work. Just this past week, we had a, uh, sharing the story, we had a, uh, a bill come in um, in our, uh, at our house. It was a medical bill. We, we went and got flu shots this year. So we got the bill for the flu shots in the mail. It was $108. So Lindsay's like, we didn't have $108 in our budget for this. Like, how are we going to pay for this? I'm not, I'm not quite sure. The next day, we got a medical reimbursement for something we actually overpaid. Can you guess how much it was? $108. Like, to the penny, $108. $108. So this past week, um, I, had, I had not only one, I was so blessed, I had two water pipes bust at my house. <laughs> two. Two. God just knew I needed extra sanctification. So I said, count it all joy when you face water troubles for two days in a row. So, 
So I had uh, Trevor, who's actually here, one of our guys, does a great job, came out the first day, fixed it, it was really quick, it was pretty, pretty simple, he came and fixed it, and it was great. So that night, I'm driving into my driveway at like 8 o'clock, and I see water running down my driveway, I'm thinking, it didn't rain? I came in the house and said, babe, I think we got an issue, and walked outside in my boots, and sure enough, it was like, and I was like, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. (laughs) That's not what I said. All right. (laughs) And uh, so I said, all right, well, I said, so I started digging and digging and digging, so I dug for 30 minutes, and I couldn't find this thing, and it was freezing, and I hadn't eaten dinner, and it was dark, and so I was like, shut the water off. So I shut the water off and text Trevor actually that night and I said, you miss me? Because <laughs> I need you again. And so, uh, so he came back uh, the next morning and, you know, he's helping me get all this stuff. Uh, and, and it takes us longer than I was thinking it was going to take us. And so, of course, it's now costing me a little bit more. I'm like, dear God, how are we going to pay for this? And so my wife texted me. I just got done working out. And she said, hey, by the way, there's this thing that we've been trying to sell for a while. She said, I, I think I got a lady that's going to buy it. Uh, she's going to meet you at Walmart and buy it. So I brought this thing to Walmart, and uh, it, the lady bought it for $100. After the, we were done with all of the plumbing and all the stuff, I said, man, how much do I owe you? And he said, $100. Nice. I said, I literally I said, here you go. <laughs> He's like, man, you got money like that? Only this time. It's yours now. I have no more money in my wallet. That's it. But listen to me. God provides. Every Friday, listen to me, every Friday, I get paid every Friday from my account is drafted. The first thing drafted on my account comes to our Savior's Church every Friday. It's exactly 10%. It's actually a little bit more than that because I want to continue to grow in that. Why do I do that? Not because our Savior's church needs my money, but because I need to give. Because it reminds me that, God, you're in control of it all. God, this is yours. And I'm going to tell you, every time I do that, God just always has a way of just taking care of needs. He just does it. I test him in this area. But beyond money, beyond money, how do you put God first in everything? Let me give you a couple of things. You just want to write a couple of these things down. Here's how you can put God first in the first of your week. Let's talk about the first of my, I mean, the first of my year. Let's talk about the first of my year. How do we put God in the first of my year? Well, we do this as a church, and we invite you to come and be a part of this with us. January of every year, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. We do 21 days of prayer and fasting. It starts tomorrow. So you're here on the right Sunday. You can jump right on in with us, and we're going to spend the next 21 days prayer and fasting. Now, depending on what maybe religion you were, you were raised in or what background you came from, you can have totally different views on prayer and totally different views on fasting as to what it is. You can have bad views on those things. You can think about fasting and think about all these different things. So I'm going to help make it real simple for you. Here's the deal. Prayer connects us to God. Fasting disconnects us from the world. That's all it is. Fasting disconnects us from the world. Prayer connects us to God. So we want to say, hey, for the beginning of 2018, let's dedicate the first 21 days of this month, the beginning of this month, to the Lord, disconnecting from all the stuff that we've been piled off in our lives over these past couple of months, especially going into the holidays. Let's reconnect with God. So we spend 21 days praying and fasting and seeking the Lord. Because how many know if in 2018 God doesn't show up, we're screwed? Like, God needs to show up this year in order for us to see all that we want him to do. 
for this building to be built, for our lives to be uh, to, 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 to go where God wants us to go. We need God in our life more than ever this year. He needs to show up. And so we're going to invite him into our lives, invite him to come and have his way with 21 days. So let me show you. So we're going to do something different. We used to do nightly services, and it, it was good, and we had 70 or 80 people. The problem is we have 700 people in our church. So we, need, we, want to, we want to offer this for more people in our church and beyond our church to be able to be a part of this. So this year we're doing something completely different. We're doing online prayer services. And they'll start tomorrow at 7 a.m., Monday through Friday at, at 7 a.m., from 7 a.m. to 7.15 in. Uh, 7.15, we're going to get online, and uh, whether it's myself or Pastor Bubba or somebody else on our team is going to lead you in uh, an encouraging word, and then we're going to pray uh, on Facebook Live for 15 minutes. You can be a part of it live, and here's the beauty of it. If you're working or you got something going on, you can just watch it at any other point in the day that you want to. It allows you to be a part of it, allows you to, be, um, to, to uh, part, participate with us in this. Um, on Saturdays, we'll do it at 9 a.m. And then we also will, we are going to have one uh, every Wednesday, Wednesday night, for the next three Wednesday nights, we're going to have corporate prayer gatherings here at the church at 6.30, um, from 6.30 to 7.30. There's no child here, just to let you know that, but we do a little worship, and then we have an actual corporate time of prayer for those that want to come and be a part of it. So that will start this week. We'll have it this Wednesday. Um, uh, the, the, it starts tomorrow morning at 7, and then we'll have it all throughout the week. So we're doing that because there's a lot of moms that can't show up. There's a lot of, people, a lot of you that work that can't be here. So how many are excited about that? And get a chance for you to be on that. So can I encourage you? There's many ways, to, if you are on live, to share it while it's going live. Even if you, it's already been done, please share it. Because here's the great thing about this. It can invite people that don't normally come to our church to be a part of it as well. So this is an opportunity for us to do an outreach as well. And yet again, like I said, we're just inviting God, saying, God, what if the next 21 days we just, we just said it's all you? So what are the different types of fasts? Let me just help you real quick, and then we're going to move on. Here's the four different types of fasts that there are. There's a complete fast. This is an actual, like, only liquids. That's it. Now, let me just say this. There are people that have done this, um, but I would, I would strongly, strongly encourage that the only time you do this is if you've, after you've consulted with a doctor. Um, this is a very serious fast, um, and you need to make sure that your activity level is a lot lower because you can't just go to work and be like, yeah, I'm just drinking water. Like, it don't work that way. So you need to be, you need to be prayerful about this. If you are going to do this one, you maybe can do this on a weekends or different times. Um, selective fast. A selective fast is, is like a, a Daniel fast. A Daniel fast is uh, no breads, no sweets. Um, um, it, it's just meats. Uh, I mean, no meats. No breads, no sweets, no meats. So it's just vegetables, fruits, um, juices. Um, this is a selective fast. A selective fast would also be maybe different things in your diet that you're just going to select to just fast. You're just going to take out. So Dr. Pepper or soft drinks or desserts or breads or just something that I just decided this year I'm going to just go ahead and fast vegetables. Um, no, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You got that? Yeah. Um, all cauliflower. I'm fasting all cauliflower. And uh, <laughs> no, I, and I always say this. Let it be something that hurts. Not because God needs to see like, I'm hurting over here, but it needs to be, it just needs to show God that I'm sacrificing something to really connect with you. Um, partial fast would be like, um, 
like a Jewish fast, which would be certain parts of the day. So maybe sun, sun up to sundown. Um, so you wouldn't eat from sunup to sundown. You'd eat before that or after that, dinner only. It may be a certain meal. Like, hey, I'm going to fast breakfast for the next 21 days, or I'm going to fast a certain meal or a certain thing. It can be that. Majority of you probably will do this next one, though. If you're not going to do food, maybe because of dietary issues, or maybe you work really hard and you've got to have as much nutrients as you possibly can, you can't do food. Maybe you can do what's called a soul fast, which is we're just going to fast anything that has the opportunity to, de- to contaminate our soul. So television, social media possibly, um, except for the fast. And when you watch the video, then get off. And then um, uh, movies, music, entertainment, video games, whatever. Anything that could, that could just bring some toxins to your soul. You're just going to say, you know, we're going we're gonna to cut from that. You'd be surprised if you just cut TV, just that alone. Maybe your cell phone. Maybe you're so attached to your cell phone. Maybe you're going to just use your cell phone just to call people or text people, communicate, but outside of that, you're not going to play all your 50 Angry Bird apps and all the other things. You're just going to devote that time to the Lord. So those are, those are the four f- things. I encourage you just to pray about it, think about it, start with us tomorrow on this. So that's how we give the first of the year. Here, let me talk about the first of the month. The first of the month comes in the idea of scheduling and budgeting. That at the beginning of the month that you would always kind of just do some scheduling and budgeting. Maybe if you're married that you would sit down with your spouse and just talk about your schedule for the upcoming schedule of that month. Or man, what's, what is your money going to look like for that upcoming month? Uh, I know for Lindsay and I, we, we sit down pretty often and talk about what's going on in the next week. What are the meetings that we have? How, how, how often will I be gone? What has she got? How, where will she be gone? Because I, let me give you just a couple things when it comes to scheduling. Number one, never schedule anything that schedules God out. All right? Number two, don't ever schedule anything that schedules your family or your spouse out. So like if you're going to be, if you can choose to not be gone four nights a week, and that can be your choice and option, sometimes I understand with work then don't schedule that. If it's going to push away you and your spouse, I understand different, different seasons, but do your best to not schedule anything that's going to uh, avoid that, or that you can avoid in that. And then number three, don't, don't budget anything until you've given God his first. So God's first should be the first thing on your budget and then everything else after that. That's how you devote God the first of the month. God, the first of the month, Here's my money, here's my time, here's my talents. Everything's going to you first, and then everything else after. Let's talk about the next one. How do we, how do, we do the first of your week? Well, here's the cool thing. You're already doing it. You're at church. Congratulations. You've already started this one. The first of your week is just go to church. Just be in church. What would it look like if in this year you spent 52 weeks in church? 52 Sundays. I understand some of you that that can't actually be possible because of your work schedule and things, but but what if you woke up every Sunday and it wasn't like, hey, you want to go to church? No, me neither. What if that, like, you just took that option out of the game and you just said, like, we're going to church? Like, think about this. Your kids never wake up on a Monday morning like, hey, baby, you want to go to school? No, I'm just not feeling it. Okay, baby. All right. All right. You sleep in. I'll get you breakfast. Like, you like, get your butt up right now. You're going, Right? Why? Because it's a priority, and you say, no, you're going. What if we made that same priority when it came to church? We're just going. We're just in it. Just make the priority to make this the beginning of the year that you be here as much as possible. And can I encourage you on the beginning of the week as well to don't just take one hour and devote it to God. Maybe take Sunday and devote all of Sunday to God. 
Make it a real Sabbath. A Sabbath was designed to rest. God worked six days and he rested on the seventh. I would encourage you to, maybe, maybe that's Saturday for you. Maybe it's a different day, but find a day that you can do that. Not only give God the morning, but when you go home, give God the rest of your day too. Hey, here's something real spiritual. You ready? Take a nap. Some of, some of y'all some of y'all are like, what? Some of y'all are like, I was taking that anyways. I don't care if you don't mean not. I'm just taking a nap. Hey, eat out. Don't cook dinner. Just order out on Sunday so there's not as much cleanup. So you can spend it with your family. Take your wife on a walk. Spend time with your kids. Y'all are like, I love this church. I mean, they tell me to take a nap. Love my wife. I mean, just spend the day recovering for that. How many believe this? You're going to get a lot more done in six days with God as the first priority than seven days on your own. I promise you. First of my day, and we're almost done. The first of my day, uh, that, what would it look like if the beginning of every day, you just were spend the first part of your day just devoting it to God? The first breath that you come out of bed is not straight to your phone to check everything, but God, thank you. Thank you today. God, I need you today. We, we encourage what we call the first 15 this is something just to start simple. I believe every person's got 15 minutes. Every person's got 15 minutes. It'll grow as, as the time progresses, but start with the first 15. Five minutes in worship, five minutes in the word, five minutes in prayer. Five, five, five. Put on one worship song. Just, just sit there. Let God minister to you through that song. Get in the word. Get a reading plan on the U version. Get a daily plan. Get a plan. Get a plan. Get a plan. Every day, just track through the Bible. Maybe one chapter, maybe one verse. I don't care. It's just the fact of being with God every day. Spend time, a little time in prayer. I'm telling you right now, if you were to do this every day, every day, for 15 minutes a day, how many know your life would look way different? Listen, we need to talk to God before we ever talk to people. Come on, somebody. And some of you need to look at the people around you and go, you need to go talk to God before you talk to me. Okay, you need, to go, you need to go spend some time with God before you spend time with me. What would it look like if we gave 365 days to God? First 15. All right, so if we do that, if we give the first, first of our year, first of our month, first of our week, first of our day, and if we do that, then what's going to happen? You ready? Number three, when we do that, we can then expect God to bless the rest. We can expect God to bless the rest. See, because here's what happens. Anything that I give to God, he multiplies. We talked about this Wednesday, how God multiplied the, the fish and the loaves. When we give God what we have, no matter how small it is, he can take our little Lunchable and feed 20,000 people. He multiplies the little things that we give him. So what if I just gave him 15 minutes? He can multiply that. What if I got, gave God just my, my little offering that I have? It's not much, God, but then God multiplies my finances. I give him my thoughts, and then he multiplies my thoughts. I give him my time, and he multiplies my time. This is what God does. Let me show you. This is what it says in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. In all your ways, acknowledge him and honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. Honor God with the first, the first, the first. First has so much power. And here's what happens when you do this. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will be brim over with new wine. This is the promise that God brings when we give him the first, when we give him our best, when we give him the best of the week and the best of our lives and the best of the day, the best of a month, and we spend 21 days. Come on, I believe 2018. How many want 2018 to be described as overflowing, brimming over? Yeah. I, I do. I don't know about you. I do. I'm going to tell you, it starts with habit one. Is it easy? No. Do you know that all hell breaks loose to make sure that you don't do any of this? 
Have you ever noticed that when you want to go try to spend time with God, every distraction in the world is there to get you to not do that? Have you ever noticed that when you try to come to church on Sundays, it's not easy like a Sunday morning? It's like hell like Sunday morning? Anybody notice your kids go crazy on a Sunday morning? Do you think that that's not the enemy's strategy? Do you think that it's not the enemy's strategy that when I was talking about this fast, you're like, Mm-mm, no, that's not happening. Right? The enemy is totally after you not doing any of this. Can I encourage you this year? Do the hard work. Let's do it. Amen?